Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Join Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 3 million members. You can win up to 25 times your money by picking more or less. Download the app today and use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. New game day shirt, boom, cash back. Food for the tailgate, boom, cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card with Discover Cashback Debit. Everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's a guaranteed win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one is a real game changer. Check out transaction, eligibility, and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. You're listening to the Men in Blazers Media Network, Suboptimal Radio. Jürgen, just to pick up on something you were saying earlier about the reaction, does it matter that you're playing Everton on Monday? It's just another opportunity to try and Both. get... Both. It matters always, but it's another opportunity as well. That's how it is. It's not not a normal game for us. Whoever would come, we have to show, blah, blah, blah. That's true, but it's still Everton. That's for them. On a different importance, it's for us as well. It was never like this. We we thought, oh my God, Everton, whatever. No, it's it's a very, very important game in our situation and in general. So, both. It's Rog, it's Friday, and we've made it to the end of another week. This one, filled with anticipation, mounting hype, yes, all of us across the United States of America burning with fever for the real Super Bowl. Yep, it's Merseyside Derby weekend, Liverpool against Everton with Darwin Nunes and Neil Mope in the role of Hertz and Mahomes. And I know, on form, Monday night's clash. Yeah, it's really the United Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl quality. Yet, the existential stakes which are agonising only serve to make the game sting, feel both more excruciating and thus oh, more resoundingly sweet. Everton, under the Anfield floodlights. What could possibly go wrong? Mina with the header, a wild volley from Van Dijk. It's awkward, and it bounces off the crossbar, and into the net! Would you believe it? Dimal Carigi has scored the winning goal in the 96th minute in the most bizarre circumstances. Pandemonium at Anfield! Too soon, Arlo White, too soon. We will get to all of that in due course, but on a more serious note, I really feel a need to begin by saying this. It's been a week of stunning news across the sport that we love. We'll discuss some of it in this podcast to come, but it really feels like we've arrived at a true Rubicon moment for football, a crossroads uh, with the major off-the-field storylines. Essentially, right now, this week, headline after headline, a moral crescendo, Manchester City being investigated for over a hundred violations of its economic regulations by the Premier League. Really, just think about that. An unprecedented charge by the Premier League aimed at its most successful club. And at the very same time, just across town, 
The Qatari head of state, Sheikh Tamim bin Hamad Al Thani, is descending upon Manchester United. Simultaneously, news has broken. Saudi Arabia is offering to underwrite Egypt and Greece's World Cup hosting costs. Why? So it can partner with them and buy its way into hosting 75% of the 2030 World Cup. All the while, FIFA are floating the idea that Saudi Arabia's tourist board can be a lead sponsor of the Women's World Cup, which is meant to be in Australia and New Zealand, but will be cloaked in Saudi branding. A threat which caused Alex Morgan to step up this week and say this. I think it's bizarre that FIFA has looked to have a Visit Saudi sponsorship for the Women's World Cup when... I, myself, Alex Morgan, would not even be supported and accepted in that country. So uh, I I just don't understand it. Um, I think that what Saudi Arabia can do is put efforts into their women's team. That would be my advice to them. And and I really hope that FIFA does the right thing. I mean, pretty much everyone has spoken out against that um, because morally it just doesn't make sense. Huge, huge respect to Alex Morgan there. But the through line of all of these stories is one and the same. Just an attempt by nation states to buy global football in its entirety and repurpose it into a deafening megaphone for which they can airbrush out human rights abuses that pockmark their global images. We've just lived through the Qatar World Cup and we can either let the zone be flooded And let those forces that want to change football succeed by normalising the act. Or else the greed and rot, the enabling greed and rot, which has gripped football's decision making. The power brokers there. That's what's facilitated all of this. Can it? Will it be exercised? That's where we are. These are the stakes. Will FIFA, UEFA, the Premier League, will they allow their purpose to be perverted? Will they continue to subjugate the competitive values of the game? And that's where we are. Global football is in a moment of quite awful choose-your-own-adventure. In other news, oh, let's get back to the football, Rog. Why so dark? Ronaldo scored four times in the Saudi Premier League. You've still got it, Ron Ron. Let's get to the weekend ahead. First, a toast. I raise my third first bud of the weekend to the fact that tomorrow, Saturday, we unleash our Tim Ream television special upon the world. It's on Peacock. It was a really beautiful half hour with that singular, inspirational American warrior who rose from kicking tennis balls around the St. Louis warehouse for real to become a global footballer thriving on the bigger stage he's met challenge after challenge this is what I love about that man he's a footballing Sisyphus and I think everyone can learn about their own lives by listening to Tim talk about his that shows on Peacock along with every one of our TV shows from the past two seasons so much in that Tim Ream story I adore every second of it to Tim okay producer Sophie Sting me up.
That was WGFOP, The Bald, by the mighty Steve Thorne in Norman, Oklahoma. And yes, you are listening to WGFOP Weekend Preview, the show that has about as many fans as Neil Mope has Premier League goals for Everton. It's one, but who's counting? 646 450 9472. 646 450 9472. Call us in. Brilliant crop of calls this week. Give us a message and it can be your voice on next week's pod. First question, please. Hey, Raj. Uh, this is Zach Langton calling you from Santa Cruz, California. First time, long time. And uh, I'm kind of a just Premier League fan. Don't really have a team, but I enjoy the joys and the pain and suffering of them all. Um, I'm calling today because this, this whole Man City thing sounds, I mean, you've already mentioned it, but it sounds so much like the Champions League uh, threat they had a few years ago of getting dumped out of Champions League. And I mean, I got to say, I don't picture this coming of anything. I think this is all going to somehow secret handshakes is going to disappear. And all of a sudden they're going to say, oh, Man City's off the hook and no problem. So. Do you think something's really going to come of this? Do you think they're really going to get slapped on the wrist in a, in a meaningful way? Thanks. Zach, hello to you and your fellow banana slugs over there in Santa Cruz, best name in American sports. Let's dive into the Manchester City thing because, well, it really contains multitude. The accounting aspects behind it, let's be honest, not exactly why we watch But the ramifications, you have to think about them because they affect, well, everything. Essentially, the charges, which it should be said, City deny, amount to more than just a breach of financial fair play. Essentially, they are about fraud. Craven, brazen fraud. And if true, they really are an assault on the very question of why we watch And so this is all early days of what is shaping up to be a massive, long, expensive, slow slugfest. One which will go on for years. Some experts are reporting it will go on for as long as four years because Abu Dhabi's legal strategy is to lawyer up, hire the most expensive legal team they can. Yeah, we're all learning about Lord Panic, who earns up to $97,000 a day. And why does he get that much? Because he knows how to drag out the case. So the case becomes such an expensive proposition, negligible for Abu Dhabi, but for their opponent, well, no one can keep up, which is pretty much the nation state's team, um, at their approach, well, to the transfer market, as well as the legal cases. And today, Pep Guardiola faced the English press for the first time since news broke. And his response, well, very much in line with your question, Zach. My first thought is that we are already being condemned. So, like, it's happened, what's happened right now, these weeks after Monday, it's happened the same what happened in UEFA. That UEFA, it was a condemned. We were, uh, we had already accusation, accusation, now we have just charge. Why should, in that moment, when overturned the situation, when they, what they told me before, the defend accusation for UEFA, the club proved that we're completely innocent. Why should not think right now when there is not, not even accusation, it's just condemned, it's just charges or suggestions. So you have to understand 
that uh, between 90 teams of the friendly is accusing us without letting us the opportunity to defend. In the word of my club, my owner, my chairman, my CEO, my people explain everything during these three or four years. You know exactly in what, on what side I am. Essentially, Pep's opening gambit is... My Premier League opponents are behind this constant victimisation of Manchester City. We've already been condemned. UEFA charged us and we were let off. Editors note, they were not found innocent in the UEFA case. This is legal, it's technical, it's annoying. But the guilty verdict was dismissed by a thing called the Court of Arbitration for Sport, CAS who decided on a two-to-one majority that some of UEFA's claims were, quote, time-barred. Important to note, and we'll talk more about this, that this is not the same as having the accusations properly examined and then dismissed. There is no innocence out of the UEFA case at all. But City are trying to say, everyone's after us. They did it before. We were innocent then. Can't we stop being picked on? One problem, though. The charges are not the same. Not to get, again, too legalistic on you, but the UEFA charges. I read a really interesting interview with the UEFA lead investigator this week who talked about how he was hamstrung by the rapid pace of the UEFA investigation, the fact that it has strict rules and that he could only look at the previous five years of finances and Manchester City then did all they could to prevent any flow of information coming out of the club. And it was under those conditions that once the UEFA case was made, City essentially were able to kick it into this thing, CAS, the course of administration. I'd never heard of it either. But apparently, it's more a place of negotiation than a legal body of judgment. And all of this played to Manchester City's advantage. And none of this will happen with the Premier League. There's no kicking this to CAS. Uh, The Premier League has had four long years. There was no rapid investigation. They had an enormous amount of time to build a massive set of accusations over a huge time period, nearly a decade of documents they've gone over. And let's be honest, there is no way they would take on Manchester City in this moment unless the evidence was very, very clear. So what happens now? Well, first, City will take the field this Sunday, 11.30am, against Aston Villa on USA Channel. And we're going to see a team that we've talked about, Pep Guardiola's search for perfection. They will take the field with an enormous glowing asterisk hanging over them, like the Sword of Damocles. Not just over them, but over all of their achievements. Were they all, were they all just fraud? That is the stain which will now cloak the club as the court case rumbles on. But make no mistake, City will be forever besmirched with this. Forever. And what will happen at the end, honestly, if I was a betting man, I'd say this is going to be worked out not as a football prison, but through the government level. Britain is, you know this, in such a terrible, fragile state economically. Can the government really afford to alienate the United Arab Emirates who have invested billions into the economy? And maybe I'm cynical. I do believe there'll be some negotiated conclusion, a slap on the wrist, some asterisk against the achievements, some slipping of the crown, yes. But the the notion of expulsion from the league, I do not see it happening. But four years of surreal limbo, that is what we are going to experience. And I mean, think about this. What if Arsenal do slip up this season? 
and horror of horrors for the Premier League, Manchester City end up winning the title again this season. Houston Astros style. Are we going to be headed towards the most circled wagons that were ever circled? More pep, sounding very Ides of Marchy. Julius Cesar said they are not in this world, they are not enemies or friends. They are just interest. Next question. Hey, Raj. Uh, this is Amy from Brooklyn, um, Man City supporter, and I'm writing because I want to know, in light of all the shit going down with Man City, what do you suggest for me and my family? We fell in love with KDB a few years ago, so we latched on Man City as our team to root for in 2020. Um, I've always been an underdog person, so I wasn't really comfortable about the big oil money team, but um, there we were. And now, you know, all these fraud charges, I'm feeling morally conflicted. We're not a family club. We haven't been, you know, we're not Mancunians. So what would you say we should do? Do we jump ship? Do we support them? Um, it's going to be a rocky few years, I think for football in general because of all the allegations. Um, Just want to hear a little advice. Thanks, Courage. Oh, Amy. Amy from Brooklyn. Hello there. What a question. What I need to preface by reminding us, again, City, for their part, have denied wrongdoing. And they said they look forward to this being cleared up too. Pep this morning essentially was, we are innocent like you cannot believe. So innocent. Look, When Newcastle were taken over by Saudi Arabia, I said this. I said, ultimately, every single Newcastle fan has to come to their own position on this complex reality. And we heard through ravens and phone calls, so many of you, as you wrestle with it, came to your own positions. And I'd say the same thing to City fans in this moment. Number one, I'd love to know how you are all feeling. Call me on this hotline, 646-450-9472. Email me. And meninblazers at gmail.com. I am sincerely fascinated. I would love to hear from you because this City moment is even more complicated than the Newcastle one. If City are found guilty, just to put it into context, you know, Arsene Wenger 2020 was asked about breaches of financial fair play. And this was a fraudulent, this is what City are accused of truly fraud um, in terms of their approach to FFP. Let's take a listen to Arsene about how it felt to compete. Back in 2020. They bought all my players, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you, I said you said financial doping. No, I think this is a, a deep question, you know. I think sport is basically to win by respecting the rules. That's what it is about. We celebrate all the best in every sport, but we, we want to know that they respect the rules. If uh, there's no respect for the rules, uh, it's not real sport, so that's uh, what what I think is the most important. The rules exist, you have to respect them. Once you go into a competition, it means you sign that you will uh, go into a competition by respecting the rules. So what it means is this. All this time, all the football, all the wonder, all the competition, all that we watched, it was not real. It wasn't fair. It was not competition at all. And the question is, what does that do to our most cherished memories? Manchester City is still alive here. Balotelli, Aguero! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. 
My Lord, hearing that today. In this new reality, so many of those incredible city movements. Yeah, yeah. KDB. Yes, Aguero. Those are burnt so brightly into our emotional psyche. They're ones we've shared with friends, with family, with loved ones. Do they become tarnished? Dimmed? Sullied? Or do they still carry their meaning? You tell me. Meninblazers at gmail.com Men and Blazers, we like to believe more is more when it comes to football. Less Everton are playing, in which case, oh, less is always more. But one thing you can do to enhance even the Everton watching experience is to visit the GFOPs at Prize Picks. They're America's number one fantasy sports app. Test your skills on Prize Picks this season. It's the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you've got the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Tappity taps, mostly just picking what categories you want Everton players to disappoint you in and smashing the less. thing I love about Price Picks is, is how simple it is to use. They're now offering Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this soccer season. No more ferreting around in your wallet for that security code on your credit card that the computer never saves. Download the app today. Use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's promo code MIB. Prize picks. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. It's Rog here to tell you about a product that I simply adore. It's been a long-time staple in the Bennett refrigerator. Stoke cold brew coffee. Always bold. Always smooth. Yes, that is the very same Stoke as in the mighty Wrexham Fortress known as the Stoke Kairas or the Stoke Racecourse. Wrexham AFC's home. They support it. They support football, which is just one great reason to love this coffee. It is my go-to enjoy during the football calendar. Essentially, the opposite of Everton. And you can check out their full lineup of 48 ounce cold brew products, something for everybody from light to dark roast to seasonal favourites in a refrigerated multi serve format. I tell you this, as someone whose blood type is now officially Stoke Espresso Blend, have the coffee house experience in the comfort of your own home and do it now. Stoke Cold Brew Coffee and be sure to follow Wrexham AFC. Big love to all at Stoke. Courage. Hey, Raj, this is Dave in Brooklyn, and I'm a Liverpool supporter. And I saw your question on Twitter about Pep Guardiola. I think it's pretty obvious he leaves if City is punished for its behavior, lying about its finances. Uh, Guardiola said, he's publicly said he's out the minute he learns he's been lied to. So my question is, am I delirious to think that Pep might be interested in the U.S. men's national team going into the 26th World Cup, um, maybe. But I think it would be a lot of upside for somebody like him. He's done everything. He's got to be thinking that this would be fun. And what a hero's journey that would be. Courage. Dave, I love your question, mostly because it's a reminder that we are all in the United States living football through dual lenses. One, reveling in the wonders, the global majesty of it all, drinking it in. And the other, so hyper-local. What does it all mean for the US men's national team? Although it reminds me a little bit of when Obama became president. Just an epic historic moment. And I think the newspaper headline in the local Hyde Park Weekly was... Local man 
wins election. And we are so local in our fandom. We are local, man. We really are local, man. And I love it because very few people outside the United States are watching this epic historic moment at Manchester City, one which will transform the whole game either way, either result, and thinking, hmm, pep to the United States, I'll have some of that. And I love your mindset. I raise my bud to you, Dave. And I wish Pep would come. It would be so fun watching him do his funny walk of agony after Matthew Hopp shins one over the bar in front of an open goal in some Gold Cup clash against Curaçao. But it's not happening. Next question. Hi, Mark Parkinson, Salt Lake City, Utah. Long-time Liverpool fan and supporter. Um, I see a lot of Liverpool fans gloating about Man City's troubles. It's ridiculous. You know, my biggest concern is... Is Jurgen going to turn, be able to turn our season around? And, of course, if you're an Arsenal fan, I can see a little glee around the Manchester situ- Man City uh, situation. But um, for me, I wish Pep all the best. I think he's a genius, and uh, I'm hoping that he is not too caught up in this. All the best, Raj. Thanks. Mark, hello, gorgeous out there in the city, Kyle Beckham and built, and I love your attitude. I, too, feel none of that schadenfreude in this moment. This Manchester City issue, as I tried to set out at the top of the podcast, not just about Manchester City. It's an issue that faces and besmirches the whole world of football, which has let the craven greed of football decision makers blind its gluttonous outcomes for the last two decades and that is the agony of it all I say that as an Everton fan whose team were being stealth funded by Usmanov one of the first and deepest in to Putin oligarchs he was sanctioned I think he was the first one sanctioned after the Ukraine invasion we are all involved in shades of this darkness you know United linked to Qatari money right now Newcastle by the way not alone in taking Saudi money they're also involved in the Burley Chelsea project and so on and so on and so on I thought about this when I spoke to my brother Nige this week as you all know massive Liverpool fan Nige and he he told me he was speaking to one of his mates who's a season ticket holder at Anfield who was moaning about Liverpool's inability to keep up with the free spenders in the transfer market and I just said, turned around to him and said, if Vladimir Putin came in to buy Liverpool, would you mind? And his mate thought about it for a moment. And then Knight said something just synapsed in his brain. And he started to just shout, announce Mbappe! Announce Bellingham! Come on, Vlad Putin! And he quickly admitted, yeah, at the end of the day, if Liverpool could keep up, he'd be fine with it. And that is the kind of way of telling where we all are right now. In world football is the emotional represses the rational and that that's what we've got to change. Next question. Hey Raj, Steve from Madison, Wisconsin. Looking forward to the day you come to the great state of Wisconsin. Wanted to ask, can you talk to the suits at NBC and can we do a Bennett cast of the Derby this weekend? Come on. Be great to have you and Nigel, uh, providing the commentary, uh, along with the, uh, 
the Liverpool Derby. Anyway, uh, Courage, doing a great job. Love listening to you. Take care. Oh, Steve. God, I'd love to be in Wisconsin too. I adore that state. Maybe come out to recede one day and just unveil the statue to my mate Jesse Marsh. My brother, Nigel. I do love that idea of having a brother cast. But Nigel, let's be honest, is not a man of very many words and he's also a gluter. We have a WhatsApp group uh, which he set up for his kids uh, and for me and my kids. It's his creation, totally. It was his idea and when he created it, uh, he called it Everton Premier League Title Winners 2017. And he's all he's done every year is change the year. Every season he updates the year. It's ironic, American listeners who don't get it. Uh, but I have to be honest, about six weeks ago, he changed the name of our WhatsApp group to Everton Championship Title Winners 2023? Question mark. And essentially, this WhatsApp group is where he dumps in meme after meme after meme, all revolving around the theme of just how crap Everton are. Many of these memes, by the way, wholly not appropriate for children's eyes and have, I'll be honest, um, led to some of my most painful parenting moments, some of the most complex conversations um, that I had to have with my kids that I'd never planned to have with my kids, but had been triggered by Uncle Nigel's R-rated meme that he thought it was totally fine to fling in to the WhatsApp group in the moment of victory. Well, let's be honest, more often defeat. And I say that ahead of this weekend's Merseyside Derby, and I use the word weekend loosely. It's Monday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on USA Channel. An epic rumble in name. In reality, on current ability, not so much. Liverpool, rock bottom of the 2023 form table. Face up to the woeful blue team who are in 17th place of that woeful form table. Damned Everton. Sean, our scalp hunter, will hope DCL is fit. And that is totally spot and approach to training. We'll make sure that that new manager bounce lasts for more than 90 effing minutes. I mean, I love it watching dude make his players train um, as they play. That's his philosophy. You train as you play. No hats, no neck warmers, socks up, shin pads on, Deitch ball. Well, here's Sean Deitch explaining it. You mentioned coats. I know you've been asked about this before as well. Um, Are you really going to ask me a coat question? I'm going to ask you a snood question. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, no, I don't let them wear snoots. Is that yeah. the answer you're looking for? And hats as well? What, what, can you no, explain a little bit more about... Yeah, I can. Uh, the rules of the game state you can't wear either. In a, in a, sorry, in a game. In an actual match. Just logic. <laughs> sure, don't ever change. As for Liverpool, yes, Liverpool have lost just one of the past 27 Merseyside derbies, but also they're in free fall, summoning a meagre two goals in the last five games. Injuries everywhere. Thiago, a doubt. Diego Jota may be back, though. And Everton fans know their team. Oh, have such a limp record in Premier League derbies. That one win. My kids have seen one win in a derby in their lifetime. That is an agony. That is an agony. And, God, all we can hope for is a rematch of the Deutsch Klopp Rumble. And I did love... What Sean Dyche said about his approach to being Everton manager. Genuinely lovely. Let's take a listen. I know a lot of managers wait, get to the summer, possibly have a lot more opportunities. What was it about Everton? The situation that the club are in, which is a difficult one. 
Why now for you? Why didn't you wait till the summer? It's Everton. I know the history. I know the feel of it. I've been here with teams. You know, you, you're not always going to get these jobs. Now, I know it's not in the, the shape that they'd want it. I know the fans want it in a better shape. Maybe, possibly. I wouldn't have got this job if it was in a considerably better shape. But I don't mind that, Stan. There's a, it's my chance to get hold of a club like this. Fantastic opportunity. A tough opportunity, of course. I'm not naive. You know I'm not. But it's still a fantastic opportunity to play my part in the, the rich fabric of this club's history, working hard to turn it round and push it back forwards again. And if I can do that and be my share of the club's history and my little window, it might be a little window, but if it, it could be a little window, but an important one. In that vein... Welcome to Everton, all the Burnley fans who are now cheering for us. My mate Simon Evans, the journalist, dropped me a line. He said, the Burnley fan rooting for Everton a bit thing is something I have never encountered before. And I know it's not universal. I doubt it will last. But it is a true testament to Sean Dyche, their love for him. And it's also, to be candid, a testament to how good Burnley have been under Vincent Company but ultimately a testament to the big-hearted nature of Burnley fans, that they have just that they have it in them to revel for both teams. God, that is a beautiful, beautiful ray of light in football. Next question. Raj, Rick from Richardson, Texas. Proud Evertonian, proud supporter of the Richardson High School Lady Eagles soccer team. Raj, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm still trying to figure out what happened this weekend. I got up Saturday morning. Turn on the Everton match, and what did I see? Crosses into the middle, Everton moving forward, and at the end of the game, Raj, I was confused. I wasn't used to these emotions. Was it joy? Was it excitement? Or just a sense of relief? And Raj, dare I dream of two wins in a row? Up the toffees. Courage. Rick from Richardson up the Lady Eagles. I love your question because we actually had another one from Dan Jones, a red from Arizona, who said that he's barely missed a Liverpool game in the last five years, but has been wrecked with guilt after he turned off the Wolves match. Said he could not watch that crap anymore because the Liverpool, and I'm paraphrasing here, the Liverpool of his heart were no longer recognisable. And I heard that message and... Oh, I related to that so much, having to sit through the darkness of watching Everton this season, to be honest. The pre-Deutsch arrival period, that lack of fight, the lack of collective, the civil war between owners and fans, just a lack of care of, well, anyone who was being paid by the club. And I know so many season blues, like decades-long blues, felt the same. Why are we watching? Why are we watching? What is this? And I mean, by the way, I've been watching Fowder season four, and it is so epically bad it's almost it's almost comedically bad and I'm hate watching it really to be honest and I did ask myself after about episode four or five why am I watching this it's awful and that is how I felt watching Everton go down to Southampton but the funny thing Dan Jones of Arizona is all it takes is one moment one beautiful searingly unexpected moment and you too will sound like Rick from Richardson who is, after just 90 minutes of Deutsch ball, surging with hope, belief, and the accompanying repression of all pain, trauma, and severe agony that has preceded it. That is what it means to be an Everton fan, and I love that. I love that. That cycle, that switch that flicks, and everything, suddenly everything is possible. By the way, it's not. 
It's not at all. But my lord, few things renew hope more than bloody football. Those are the Gladys Street hoping that this is the moment. And from McNeil. During Dell TechFest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Your dream setup, amazing prices, and free shipping await you for a limited time only at alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com slash deals. New Year's is now in the rearview mirror. By now, some of the excitement about our New Year's resolutions may be dying down, much like my excitement for Chelsea Football Club as we get further and further into the season. If you're looking for performance apparel that can help give you the extra push you need to keep up with your health goals, Viore has you covered. Viore creates incredibly versatile and comfortable activewear designed to look great in everyday life in and out of the gym, or in my case, on or off the tennis court. Plus, Viore is 100% off setting their carbon footprint by offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 and beyond. They are utilizing better sustainable materials for their products, empowering your best active life. With Viore, you can feel good about the things you buy and also how they are made. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash MIB. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash MIB. Not only Will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns? Trust me, go to viore.com slash MIB and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Hi, Rod. This is Cass in Denver, Colorado. I'm a Leeds United fan. And I've been thinking recently about these American kids in Leeds and wondering how they're handling life over there. On Monday's pod, you mentioned Jesse might have struggled a bit with the Yorkshireness of Leeds. I think you might have generously called it stoicism or they're stoic. And I don't want to knock Leeds. You know, I love Leeds and I'm very proud to call it home. But it must be a bit of a culture shock to these American kids going over there. And, for example, the weather, the extremely dry humor bordering on grumpiness, uh, a certain grimness about the place. But so here's my question. Do you think Tyler et al. are sequestered away in some posh postcode, or are they living their best lives in a penthouse in the city center, raving their night away on the revolving dance floor at planet Earth? What do you reckon, Rog? Cheers, Kath. Hey up, Kath. A certain grimness about the place. God, you sound like someone who works for the Leeds Tourist Board. As you know well, and listeners know this, Leeds is a magnificent city. It's beautiful. It's soaked in history. It is so proud. It's very, very singular. And it's, it is funny to think of these American young gents full of life and energy and a desire to explore Europe suddenly finding themselves up there. I remember about a decade ago, I went to visit an American international way up north, way up north. And we drove around this city together. And I will be candid. It was pretty grim. 
And he told me honestly, he said, when you dream of being a Premier League striker, which you do, he said, you imagine London. That's what you imagine. You don't think of this, he said, pointing out the window to the grim British fading post-industrial reality which surrounded us. And for these Leeds kids, look, Tyler and Brendan, they love their golf. They're both in relationships. I think their partners uh, have gone out there. So I think that makes things incredibly different and much, much easier. A lot of the Leeds players live actually around Harrogate, a beautiful, beautiful town, home of Rory Smith, 50 minutes outside of the Leeds City Centre in the Yorkshire Dales. If you are going up to watch a Leeds game, get out to Harrogate. It's just stunning and beautiful. And the area that surrounds it is pastoral. But Western man, don't know what he would get up to around there. <laughs> that really is a reality show. Um, Western um, up there in the in the riding area. But my God, as he braces himself with the rest of his team for the War of the Roses, round two, Sunday, 9am Eastern Time, USA Channel, Manchester United travel to Leeds after Wednesday night's 2-2 draw, total chaos. Ten Hag's midfield, no Casemiro suspended, no Eriksen injured, no control at all. And Leeds' frenzied horde overwhelmed them. But just as American fans began to compose epic poems about the night, Tyler and Weston ran rampant at Old Trafford. That classic Leeds trope of feckless defending let Rashford and Sancho roar back. And I can't wait for Sunday. Ellen Road will be a bear pit. Chris Armas's lads, that's what we're calling them, right? We'll take the field. And we had a lot of calls about Weston and what to make of his performance within the US soccer bubble. Just the image of Weston and Tyler side by side led to Rhapsody. Outside of it, I think a lot of Leeds fans like Weston's energy. Thought his passing was errant. What to give him time to bed in. Truly get into game shape up to Premier League frame of mind. And I'd say cautious promise with a hope for focus and consistency. I mean, they already got a song for him. That is it for today. I want to finish by saying how gutted I am about the passing of the great Burt Bacharach. The albums he recorded with Liverpool supreme fan Elvis Costello back in the late 1990s are so woven into some of our most treasured memories of the time to better days ahead uh, for all. We will be back on Monday with Davo, Tuesday with Rory Smith, Wednesday do it live. Tim Ream on Peacock this Saturday. And on Thursday, we are releasing in partnership with ESPN Plus a beautiful interview with Daryl DK, who is back, rampant, running around championship fields with West Brom. I cannot wait for you to hear this interview. It really is. I mean, this is a kid that just thrived, succeeded out of nowhere, every level, and has spent a year really filled with injury after injury, somehow kept his focus, his belief, his self-confidence, and most importantly, his joy. going to leave you with a little bit of Daryl DK. Courage. You've spoken before about your long-term goals, you know, to play in the Champions League, to appear in World Cups. Just over a year ago, you did a really lovely interview with ESPN, you just signed for West Brom, where you talked about how your dreams felt more reachable than they ever had before. And I'm curious, given this year of setbacks, disappointments, tribulations, 
do these dreams still feel close? Or, or, or what do you say to yourself to keep them uh, from feeling as in reach as ever? Absolutely. They all still feel close and they all are still so reachable. As you said, I'm only 22 years old. And after having all these setbacks, I think it just made me stronger. I'm not going to go and tell you that I wanted to have these setbacks. Of course, I did not. But throughout these setbacks, I've learned more about myself. I've learned more about my body. I've learned more about, you know, on the mental side, everything that I think will carry on throughout my entire career. And it improves me as a player, it improves me as a person, not even just in terms of football, it improves me as an overall person in life. And having these setbacks can, you know, it just made me stronger. It made me have this bigger hunger to go and get these things, to go and achieve these goals, just because I, I have such a high passion for it. I'm almost crazy of hunger for it now. And seeing seeing all my friends that they're able to do it, it makes me, I'm not gonna lie, it makes me jealous. I wanna, I wanna be able to do some other things. You're telling me I don't wanna be like Christian Pulisic and win Champions League and play in World Cups and do these things. Of course I want to, you know? Of course I'm happy for everything he's doing, but I look at it and I think, oh, that looks great. That is what I wanna work for. <laughs> I work, I work great. for this, and that looks, that looks like fun. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Yo, Trey. Yeah, Kevin, what's up, man? I was just thinking what would have happened if Drew Brees didn't fail his physical with the Dolphins and ended up playing under Nick Saban in Miami. There's a good shot the Finns establish a dynasty. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick probably don't become goats, and Tuscaloosa doesn't become the center of the college football universe. That's a butterfly effect for real. Hey, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.